AT&T ThreatTrack is a roundtable discussion of the latest network security trends and news conducted by AT&T data security analysts. Complete video of this show is available at techchannel.att.com. Michael, there's a lot of uh, interest in cryptocurrency lately, both with you know, regular investors as well as the bad guys, but more so the bad guys, it seems lately. And uh, it sounds like you were looking into a story about somebody doing some creative techniques to get people mining cryptocurrencies. That's right. Uh, there was a Reddit post about a, a site that uh, is something that most people probably heard of. They have a um, you know, public-facing site where uh, consumer electronics are being uh, provided. What I would observe is that it's probably pretty robust. You know, it's hosted with some big compute power. If you can compromise something with a lot of power, then you can uh, you know, do more processing. Right. In, in the case of trying to mine cryptocurrency, that's helpful. So on this website, there was a script installed, um, a CoinHive uh, script to mine Monero currency. Uh, but I think it, it just shows that any site out there uh, on the internet that has weaknesses of any kind can be compromised. And it's likely that whoever compromises you is gonna install something like this, because that's the rage now. I mean, over the holidays, I kept hearing at every gathering I went to about uh, cryptocurrency, right? Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And as opposed yeah. to earning it yourself, you can use other people's infrastructure and you can uh, mine a coin. Right. So The thing I find interesting about CoinHive is that it's a JavaScript-based cryptocurrency miner. So what the bad guys have done here is they found like a really popular website, they compromised it, and then they inserted those JavaScript instructions into the browser. So when a page gets served up to a browser, they get the information that they should load this JavaScript into their browser, and then that runs. So basically what happens is the more people that hit that website, they all become miners for this cryptocurrency. Um, it's a browser-based cryptocurrency miner. Whoever's got the browser right. open doesn't realize that they just started yeah, mining. somewhere in the background, you can't see right. it, but maybe your machine will start to move a little slower, it'll take up a little more CPU, or the browser process would. As opposed to having to go out and compromise all of these machines individually, you're compromising a single kind of high-powered server, and then everybody who visits that becomes, you know, uh, starts doing your work. I think there's a few browsers out there, maybe you, you have it in your thing where they, um, they check to see if there's a presence of a crypto miner in a page that's being served to your browser to stop it. You know, we have the pop-up blockers. Now we're gonna have to have coin mine blockers, right. basically, is what it sounds like uh, the industry is gonna have to start moving towards. The first time I saw this CoinHive stuff, which was not that long ago, I would say within the past six months, I was like, wow, that's really inventive. I had not thought of this. I would say like two, three years ago, we were seeing um, lots of compromises of IOT devices, but they would put a, some kind of cryptocurrency miner on it, like a Bitcoin miner. But they were not very successful because they don't have a lot of compute power. And then we started to see, I would say last year, a shift towards uh, attackers trying to identify infrastructure uh, in like cloud computing spaces where they're very heavily compute powerful, but maybe they're not configured well. So maybe it's like a really bad WordPress site or something like that. And uh, they can compromise that and then run it in that cloud computing data center, you know, use those resources. But this is yet another way of kind of distributing it to the masses. If you're uh, responsible for web infrastructure of any kind, you know, internet exposed servers of any kind, it's very important that you don't have any vulnerabilities out there that will let someone install scripts 
on your system that would run when somebody then visits that site. So John, uh, you have a story to share with us about the RIG exploit kit. What is RIG and how is it being used in <laughs> new ways? So the RIG exploit kit is not new, but the the way it's being used is kind of the story here. There's some actor set out there using the rig exploit kit to deliver cryptocurrency miners. The JavaScript that runs in the browser is an exploit kit that tries to deliver actual malware. So it's gonna to try to deliver an executable down to the machine, get it installed. And with that, it's actually gonna have more persistence, right? Because even if you close your browser, the malware still stays on the machine, it still runs. It actually gets more CPU prioritization because it's a real executable running on the machine, et cetera. The other interesting thing about this is they're seeing it distributed via malvertising. Those advertising links are basically kind of like somewhat outsourced. So like if you're visiting you know, some website, they're not necessarily directly tied with that advertising distribution channel. The malvertising guys, what they do is they inject themselves into that advertising stream. So they pay some amount of money to get their ads inserted into this kind of rolling list of things that are going to get displayed to people. But when they do it, they inject some JavaScript and they're injecting the rig exploit kit as part of that. If the user is unlucky enough to get that ad delivered to them, it might come along with some malicious JavaScript that is the rig exploit kit. And then that will try to figure out if there's a vulnerability. And if so, it'll install malware to your machine. And the thing that's bad about this is like probably visiting a legitimate website. You know, it could be a very popular you know, main news website. There's been some very high profile news organizations, websites, or other things of that nature that when you visit them, you got delivered a rogue advertising that got snuck in through one of these advertising channels. The trend here is that we're seeing a lot of interest lately in people doing cryptocurrency mining. There's just so much money to be made. So we call this a drive-by? The user yeah. doesn't actually get asked to say okay or next or anything? Maybe, maybe not, but it is, I would consider it kind of a drive-by type exploit because based on visiting a web page, you get delivered some malicious JavaScript that tries to compromise you. And probably most often it's gonna try to deliver that malicious payload to you um, invisibly. As little visibility to the user as possible would be the, the intent. Um, and that's what a lot of these exploit kits are designed to do. They're, you know, instead of trying just one technique, they kind of figure out what environment am I, am I running in? What kind of Internet Explorer am I in? What kind of Flash do they have? What version of Java do they have? Um, what other plugins might I be able to leverage? And then they try to deliver the right, you know, exploit to it to get that malware installed. So it's kind of creative workflow inside that um, exploit kit. So great thorough. They're doing kind of a complete yeah. scan. Of oh yeah, in a way, software. inside your browser. They <laughs> basically scan what are your threat services that I could exploit here. It depends on what you have running as far as security solutions on the endpoint in the browser. Ideally, you, you would spot the malicious advertisements and try to stop them from making it into the pool of advertisements. Make sure that you keep your browser updated and any uh, additional plugins updated. All right, hey, so Michael, uh, the Winter Olympics is right around the corner here, I think next month or something, right? It starts up, so it sounds like you're looking into some something about uh, people trying to use the Olympics as a fishing mechanism. That's exactly right, John. So um, 
people use every opportunity to try to take advantage of um, people who might fall victim to an attack. Mm -hmm. And um, we knew that the Olympics were gonna get a lot of attention. Uh, we knew there would be attacks using the Olympics and there was a report last week, InfoSecurity published it, McAfee did some of the background work investigating um, how it exactly was carried out. This one was through an email with a Word document attached. And then when you open the Word document, uh, there was an image that had um, code in the image, so steganography, mm -hmm. and it was able to run PowerShell on the Windows machine, make a remote connection so that somebody could remotely control the machine. So um, kind of a lot of, a lot going on right. there in that that's, attack. For them to bury uh, executable code inside an image, that's a bit of an advanced technique. It's not a normal thing that we see regularly. <laughs> right, and of course it looked like it was coming from the committee, you know, the ministry that is operating the Olympics. Okay. And then the IP address was spoofed to be a somewhat believable South Korean organization, even right. though it was actually hosted in a different country. It's made it look like this important message with this Word document was from the ministry that's you know conducting the Olympics. And it was sent to a targeted list of recipients. Okay, so who it was were kind of like a spear fishing kind of exactly. uh, scenario here. So they were trying to target people that were working or involved in the Olympic activities in other countries, perhaps, exactly. to see if they would take the bait, because they'd be more likely to open this attachment. Unfortunately, the steps that were taken on the attack side made it very easy to, uh, to get the people they were going after. The attackers do a lot of homework. Uh, they had a lot of knowledge that they used to pull off a very uh, attack that a lot of people would probably fall for. A lot like the normal um, word Microsoft Word exploits that we see, they have uh, like a macro script. Um, so when you open the, the Word document up, it says, oh, you need to enable macros to read th the rest of this document or whatever. So you do that and some PowerShell runs. This thing, what it seems to do is the PowerShell that runs yeah. is taking bytes out of that image, like it knows how to get them out. But if you view the image, it looks normal. It's just that maybe the color is just slightly subdued. Exactly. Uh, a little bit, you know what I mean? So it's a real image, it looks normal, but as a, you know, the script knows to extract just the elements it needs out of there, and the code is embedded in there, but it's very hard to find unless you know how it was injected inside there. They reassemble it, they run the code, and now there's some kind of rat running on the machine or backdoor Trojan of some sort. And this was cited as an example of fileless, a fileless attack, because not actually writing the, the script or a file to your system. So that's interesting. And that's been a, something that's been predicted for a while, I think, that the fileless attacks will increase because they can uh, avoid detection with kind of the legacy set of tools that we use to, to detect malware, string-based, right. uh, signature-based. First of all, don't open a Word document that you receive in email, especially if you don't know that person very well. Even if you do know them, Think about it first, maybe give them a call to say, did you send me this? Because they may not have. Um, and then if you do open it and you see that it says, you need to enable macros to look at the rest of this, never click it. I don't know, please, if you watch this show, do not click it. Because there's maybe like a 0.0001% of all the Word documents ever created that actually need macros enabled. Be very careful and scrutinize uh, emails that you get that have attachments. I generally recommend don't open any attachments in emails 
All right, Michael, so let's take a look at the internet weather for this week. So the first one is 1433 TCP, and we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. I did a six-week moving average on this because it kind of shows that the change in traffic shape occurred somewhere last year. And you can see back in maybe the April, May timeframe that it started to go up and it stayed up since that point compared to the previous two years or year and a half where it was kind of kind of following a general trend, even though we had a little hump uh, over here. I think it's related to probably a few different actors, but we know that we covered a story about the Hexmen group. The story actually discussed how back in the April, May timeframe, this group was actively seeking out Microsoft SQL servers, and that kind of corresponds to this increased traffic here. One of the things they do is install cryptocurrency miners on these, because again, usually a server has a lot of compute power, they want to try to leverage that compute power for their own purposes instead of getting some little junky IoT device that can't do a lot of CPU cycles. They hit a big server and they can do probably be more successful at mining cryptocurrencies, as well as other things. Most of it, the majority is from China, which is where the Hexman group is out of. Uh, I'm not saying it's all directly tied together, but there's some kind of correlation there probably. If you have Microsoft SQL servers and they're internet facing, I would try to restrict access to that. But in addition, make sure you have really strong authentication controls on it. Don't have any simple to guess passwords like ABC123 or anything like that on there. And watch that server for suspicious traffic or suspicious right. processes running. Right. We've seen some cases where the operations guys, not necessarily ours, but for other teams and whatnot, um, for other companies where the first indication that a machine has been compromised is not the network traffic, but the fact that the CPU utilization all of a sudden went uh, you know, haywire and stayed haywire for a long period of time. And it turned out they had a cryptocurrency miner on there. So that's like a kind of indicator that you're not expecting necessarily to see, but is a result of having maybe a piece of malware running on your server. Just this weekend, my daughter was going back to college and she was telling me her machine wasn't running as fast as it used to. So I showed her task manager and then more details. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, once she saw that she could watch the CPU and uh, she could see disk utilization, mm -hmm. like she didn't want to look at anything else. She was just so intrigued <laughs> by what is it on my machine that's using that much. Right. Uh, very interesting to, to watch. And administrators, of course, yeah, do this. Especially if you've never seen that before. It's all right there. A lot of these tool sets are available, but you know, a lot of people don't know it unless they're in the business that we're in trying to find what's wrong with the machine. Uh, moving along, the next one I wanted to take a closer look at was 21 TCP. So this is a five-year chart, and you can see like way back here, three years ago and whatnot, we really didn't have a whole lot of um, scanning activity on FTP, relatively speaking. But we've seen these kind of progressive jumps in activity where uh, incrementally more and more uh, scanners for FTP. Here at that first level, it's only about a thousand scan sources per hour, maybe. Right. Now that we're up here, we're at four and a half thousand or so, I want to guess, just eyeballing it. You know, we know that there's a bunch of bad actors out there who will try to find FTP servers for various purposes. But one of the things that they've been doing uh, that I've neglected to talk about, even though we've noticed this, and I grabbed a, a honeypot sample here, but this is a story where it talks about uh, thousands of infected FTP servers and how, again, yet again, people are installing cryptocurrency miners. If you ever assume that you're too small and insignificant to be of interest to cyber criminals, and thus that getting security settings right is only really for bigger organizations, this should convince you otherwise. Because <laughs> really, everybody 
they think their stuff is not that important, but it can be used by a bad guy. And they don't really care who you are as long as they can take advantage of your machine. So they find these FTP servers. And there's a lot of these like network attached storage, like home ones. And if you don't configure it right, it might have some default credentials or allow anonymous access to it via FTP so that anybody who connects to it could upload a file or download a file. Right. They will find these, they'll upload a file that looks like a screensaver. It's usually called photo.scr. And that's actually a cryptocurrency miner. They're hoping that somebody who owns this device is looking through the files on there and they're like, I don't remember this file. And they click on it, or if they run it, they actually get the cryptocurrency miner on there and then they're stuck. So this is an example where one of our FTP servers that we run as a honeypot, we saw somebody connect and they stored a file called photo.scr. This is very common. And it's an executable file that's about a meg and a half in size. Um, when we take that executable and stick it into VirusTotal, you'll see Bitcoin miner, Bitcoin miner. It, it's very well detected. So that's something to be mindful of. I thought it's, you know, it's probably related to this uptick. Again, the cryptocurrency stuff is very hot in terms of bad guys trying to find more and more devices. And this is just yet another technique that they're using to get malware onto devices. I mean, if you have a directory and stuff just shows up, you don't really know where it came from. You click on it, there's right. high probability that something uh, undesirable might happen. Yeah, and I would say all of this stuff is because people expose their devices probably inadvertently to the internet. Definite theme this week, everything cryptocurrency. The way that the price of these uh, cryptocurrencies have gone up is really shocking to me. So everybody wants to get in and get as much thinking that it's gonna continue on this really steep upward climb uh, and they're gonna get uh, a big return on their investment. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.